Hi, my name is Lucundo. If we've never met before, I am part of the leadership team here at King's Church. And this morning, we are going to continue in our series on the kingdom. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and this was the best news ever. The Jews at the time, however, didn't quite expect the kingdom to come in the way that it did. They had expected that the Messiah would come and overthrow Roman rule in all power and pumped in a display of his might. But Jesus came and exerted his authority through humility. So it wasn't quite as they had imagined. But before the beginning of time, in the very imagination of God, there was community. God said, let us make man in our own image. A God who existed in community created humanity also to exist in community. He dwelt among humanity in the garden. He presenced himself with them. And from a place of communion, he commissioned them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This was God's commission to humanity that through his power delegated authority to them, they would rule and reign and make the earth look more like heaven, not through one person, through a people. And the Bible tells the story of the people of God throughout time, how at the very beginning, humanity failed to live under God's righteous rule and reign as sin entered into the world and separated us from our communion with God and our commission from God. But God did not give up on his plan. God called Abraham and said from him he would make a multitude of nations that the whole earth would be blessed through his offspring. A few years, generations down the line, we see Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, second in command in Egypt. And the people of God flourished, they multiplied and they were fruitful just as God had promised. But when Joseph died and a new Pharaoh arose, he didn't like them very much and he subjected them to cruel treatment. The people of God cried out to be rescued and so God did. He saved them from the land of Egypt by raising up Moses when he miraculously delivered them from the land of slavery in Egypt as they went through the waters to the other side free at last to serve and worship their God. And so we pick up the story when the people of Israel are in the wilderness at the foot of Mount Sinai and God is declaring his promise to his newly rescued people. Let's see what he says to them in Exodus chapter 19 and from verse 1. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. This was God inviting his people into covenant relationship with him, restoring the communion they had at first. And he said, if you obey my commandments, I will dwell among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will make you kings. I will give you the authority you had at first to rule and reign, to bring my kingdom over all the earth. I will make you priests. I will give you the ability to steward my presence, not in a limited place, but all over the earth, covering the earth with all that is good and all that is me. If you live in obedience to my commandments. But no sooner than the people of Israel had agreed to do what God said, did they rebel against God. Now a God who is holy could not dwell amongst the people who were not holy. And so we see in the book of Leviticus, that God makes a way for his presence to dwell with his people. He gives them instructions and laws and commandments around their sacrifice and worship so that God could dwell amongst his people. And he says to them again, if you obey my commandments, I will be your God. We read in Leviticus 26 and verse 12, and I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves and I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Now this worked to a degree as the presence of God dwelt with the people of God through the tabernacle. But like a broken record, the people of God continued to sin and rebel against God. Sin needed to be dealt with once and for all if they were going to truly live the life that God had called them to. As wonderful as the promises were, they were only a foreshadow, a taste of things to come. For the ultimate way that God would fulfill his mission and mandate was to send Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice, who tore the veil and allowed us to freely come into God's presence. Jesus is the pinnacle of the gospel story and he comes to make all things new and enable us to live a life free of sin so that we can be restored to communion and commission. And so when we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 and from verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Just like the people of Israel were rescued from slavery as they passed through the waters, Jesus has rescued us from slavery to sin. He's rescued us from the curse of sin, from death and disease, and has given us eternal life. And as he brings us through the waters of redemption, he says the same thing that he said to his people when he brought them into the wilderness. I have made you kings and priests. I have given you authority to bring my rule and my reign here on earth. 
I have put my presence, I have put my very spirit inside you to dwell in you, that you would be my people. And I have given you the ability to host my presence and to cover the earth with all that is me. That is our promise fulfilled in Jesus. That is what he did for us. And so when we are born again into the kingdom of God, we are born again into family, into his body, into community. Community is not a way we exist to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Community is the way we exist to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. When a couple brings a newborn baby home and the baby's all cute and crying and pooping and sleeping like they do and feeding, of course, they don't sort of say, well, look here, kid, I know you're new and everything, but this is the deal. At 10 p.m., I watched this particular program, so I'll see you afterwards. You just sit tight up until then, unless you have like a miracle baby somehow. But most of the times, everything in the household stops and now begins to revolve around the tiniest person in the house. And in the same way, community is not something that we fit and sneak into our already made routines. Community is so important that we structure our lives around it. Community is God's grand design of how he is going to fill the earth with all that is him. And so that's what it means to seek the kingdom of God first, to structure our lives around the community of God's people and not the other way around. This may look like taking up that business opportunity so you can provide jobs for people and give money towards people who need it and kingdom purposes. It might mean not taking that job opportunity, which means you will have no energy and no time to be around God's community. It might mean offering to cook food so that people who are coming straight from work to connect or prayer meeting don't have to worry about going home first. Obviously in due time, not just at the minute. It might look like switching up your routine. It might look like doing things differently to how you've known. But seeking the kingdom of God first looks like structuring our lives to prioritize that. And so there will be changes that some of us need to make. And let's be asking the Holy Spirit what that looks like. I know for me, it's very, very easy to try and slot community in and say no when I've already made plans. But I want to ask the Holy Spirit to change my posture and help me plan my life around his community. Because community is his idea and it's his plan. You know, Jesus prays for us in John chapter 17, the also famous high priestly prayer. Verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our unity is so powerful. Our unity in itself proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. It proclaims that Jesus came to offer salvation for all of humanity. And it's not just our physical unity, which is so important because where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there. Whether in person or virtually, his spirit knows no bounds. 
but it also speaks of our unity in heart, our oneness of mind going after the same things together. And so Paul encourages us in Philippians chapter 2 and from verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we live together in humility and oneness of heart, we rule like Jesus ruled. We bring the kingdom of heaven and how we unite together to see his kingdom come. We're not called to do it alone. We are called to do it in his grand design of having a people for himself. And I am so glad for it because it's so much more fun to do this together. So how is it that you can pursue unity more with your brothers and sisters? How can you be more aware of the presence of God when we gather together virtually or physically? How can you be more aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying, even on your streets or in your community? How can you walk into your daily life knowing that you are part of a big body of Christ all over the world seeking the same thing? How will that change how you live? How will it provoke you to structure your life around community and not just try and fit it in here and there? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reawaken our imagination to what he thought of when he designed community in the first place. Let's ask him to show us to go past maybe our failures and our frustrations and our experiences, but the beauty and the wonder and the awe of this powerful, glorious bride of Christ, bringing his kingdom rule and reign and his presence over all the earth. Amen. Amen.